On June 15th, after a lot of speculation, Jeb Bush officially filed to run for president. And then he basically said Americans need to work more. So stop listening to all these podcasts. Just listen to ours. <laughs> We're not going to focus on him today. The Federal Election Commission keeps this list of everybody who's running for president, just like you'd think. Mm-hmm. And directly below Jeb on that ledger for June 15th is the name of a guy named Michael Castillejos. Who's that? A New York City-based actor and a Federalist. Oh, I learned about the Federalists in those Nicolas Cage movies. They're like the old guys in the wigs. Sort of, yeah, but without the wig. Castillejos is one of about 500 people so far who's filled out the paperwork to run for president in the next cycle. Wait a minute, 500 people? Obviously, most of them have no shot. Sure, but they realize that. So they're doing it because they're issues candidates? Sort of. I'm an actor. I'm based in New York, so um, I do comedy. There's some really nice campaign finance laws. They're in uh, promotional materials, i.e. video. Um, is tax deductible, where it otherwise might not be, especially in uh, the current fundraising landscape. The sky really is the limit. Citizens United in taking advantage of shady campaign finance laws. Comedians are people, too. (laughs) Today on The Underscore, who are these other candidates running for president? What are their motivations? And why is one of them wearing a boot on his head? Yeah, that's a real thing. Let's make some pot. So how is it possible all of these people cleared the bar to run for president? Bar's not really that high. No, I, I knew you had to be at least 35 years old and a natural-born U.S. citizen. I guess I just figured there had to be other stuff we didn't learn about in middle school. Not really. To officially run, all you need to do is fill out an FEC form number two. It's called a Statement of Candidacy form, and it's really simple to get through. How long does it take? I asked Peter Brayfogel. He's a retired tech worker up in Minnesota who filed online back in April. And I, you know, it took like 15 minutes or so, and it was free. And, and you know, what I found was basically that the filing process is pretty straightforward and simple. Uh, if you would actually want to get serious about it, start raising money and having like a committee and stuff and stuff, it gets to be a lot more complicated and a lot in a hurry. So. Yet I bet people still manage to screw that up, don't they? Oh, they do. I went through plenty of FEC filings that included letters to candidates about forgetting to write down the office they were running for, or forgetting to write down what year the election was. There's a blank. You have to do it. The funny part is when you see those mistakes on the forms for the fake candidates. The fake ones? Yeah. There's surprisingly a lot of suspicious-looking Form 2s out there. Your options next fall at the polls include candidates named Limberbutt McCubbins, Danny Google Aguiar, Captain Jack Sparrow. Oh, of course. And someone supposedly named Sydney's voluptuous buttocks. Though after a bunch of Googling... You owe us ad dollars now, Danny Google. <laughs> I think the middle two people are actually real. Captain Jack Sparrow's real? Johnny Depp might actually be more divisive than President Obama. But wait a minute. The fake filers aren't being prosecuted? That's got to be against some law or another. When you think about it, there's a lot of other things the FEC has to try to track down, like the money trails of the big-name candidates, instead of trying to find out the identity of Mr. or perhaps Mrs. Buttocks. But FEC, if you do track down voluptuous buttocks, drop us a line, huh? <laughs> the party names that people file under are great, too. There's the Hell of a Party, the Cordover for Equality, but some are more equal, Party, mm-hmm. and the Natural Born Citizen Party, to name a few. Sure. And there has to be someone from the Marijuana Party. That's Tom Keister. This is actually his sixth shot at public office. He's concurrently running for a spot on the Clarksville, Indiana Town Council, too. Clarksville? I went to college not too far from there. It's right across the river from Louisville. You mean Louisville. Louisville? Louisville. Louisville. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> anyway, Pud is Tom's temple issue for sure, but that's not all he's interested in. Like, I, you can't just write, I want to be president because I want weed legal. I mean, that you can do that, but you're going to be taken as seriously as that sentence looks. So what are his other campaign issues? Tom talked with me a little bit about education and infrastructure. He says he has an accounting degree, but he still can't explain to people how Common Core math works. And he pointed out that some of the taxes from weed sales would go toward paying for better schools, roads, and bridges. That's true. I can't argue with any of that. But haven't I heard this guy's name someplace before? Maybe, if you're a news junkie. And that's mostly to do with his Twitter feed. We've actually relied a lot on the social media to get our message out, and it's led to actually quite a bit of attention. The whole thing that kind of got the snowball rolling was the New York Times mentioned me because I have more Twitter followers than Lincoln Chafee, the former Rhode Island governor who's famously running on the metric system. Do we have more Twitter followers than Lincoln Chafee? Not yet. Underscore pod, everybody. 140 characters of freedom. (laughs) Tom went from about 6,000 followers before he launched his campaign to roughly 33,000 by the time I caught up with him on the phone last month. So he's a pot candidate who's more than just smoke and mirrors. No pun intended. No pun achieved. A little one. <sighs> Look, make no mistake, Tom's not expecting to win. Well, not his presidential race, at least. Odds are the only way we have a shot at winning is kind of like the beginning of the movie King Ralph. If the other 490-some-odd candidates <laughs> get hit by lightning at the same time, we're good. Now, he touched on the crazy number of people who've been filing this year. He did. Now, back in 2004, only 224 people filed FEC Form 2. In 2008, that went up to 367, and in 2012, the last cycle, the number was 417. Really? And all those include people who were sending in paperwork up until a few weeks before the general election. A few weeks before? Well, okay, sure. Procrastination is a campaign issue I can get behind. You know, later. (laughs) We've already set a new record for the 2016 race, and we're about 15 months away from the general still. Okay, so what is driving all the attention this year? It's a hard one to pin down, but Tom made a good point when we were talking about media saturation when it comes to politics and how everyone's interested and more people seem to be wanting to get involved, at least sharing their opinions. And if you look at the bigger name candidates from the two major parties, there could be 20 of these folks in the game by the time the Iowa caucuses roll around. Well, hey, is Captain Jack Sparrow really much more of a long shot than Lincoln Chafee? Yeah, and really filing online only makes it easier for people like both of them to get into the race. Okay, but when I think of fringe presidential candidates, I think about people who might be sort of crazy. But the candidates that you talked to so far all seemed fairly normal. Was that really the case? Obviously, you're not going to have any trouble finding weird people on the internet. But I wasn't interested in talking to a bunch of conspiracy theorists. Oh, is Ron Paul running again? I'm going to assume he's way too busy with that weird newsletter. The three people I talked to seem like normal guys. Tom's view on pot, that's an easy target for conservatives. But he thinks he's been treated pretty fairly by media folks during interviews. Actually, the the most pleasant surprise about this this whole experience so far is um, all the interviews I've done, um, I've generally been treated with a a lot of respect. Um, I I expected, obviously, with, with marijuana being right there on the marquee, I figured that a lot of interviewers would, would treat me like a crackpot or, oh my God, when he, when he got done, you know, unrolling the weed, he put the foil on his head, to which I have to remind him we use sandwich bag, he's not foil. Well, look, if Donald Trump can run for president with some of the crazy things he's been saying? Michael Castillejos, back from the beginning of the story, made pretty much the same point. Really, is it all that different? Is what we're doing all that different from what Donald Trump is doing, uh, which is to say using the using the process, using the, the filing process and what comes from that for other uh, 
uh, other ends other than actually gaining the office. Though obviously the flip side is that Trump has some money, and at least at this point in the race, money means some form of legitimacy. Yeah, you're basically right. But speaking of people with weird stuff on their head, one of the weirder personalities of this and every recent presidential election has been a guy named Vernon Supreme. A guy named what? Vermin Supreme. And yet we're all still going to be shocked when it turns out he's a rat. Mr. Supreme, if you will, <laughs> who appears to be very human, has actually been running for president for a long time. He's even had a dash of success. Really? Here's Quentin Mishak from the Scripps Howard Wire Service. Someone like Vermin Supreme has made waves on C-SPAN in recent years for sort of disrupting um, political talks and conferences. Um, and he's known, uh, he ran... Um, in the New Hampshire primary in 2012 and actually came in third place with about 800-odd votes. Um, I was, that was an election year for, a re-election year for President Obama. Um, but, you know, he's well-known in uh, the New England area for wearing a boot on his head and carrying a, a big toothbrush. Straight up, I would buy a $1,000 pay-per-view to watch Hillary Clinton debate Vermin Supreme. <laughs> What about a YouTube video, say, of Vermin and Bill Clinton just hanging out for the weekend in Cabo? Man, for a second there, I thought you said Bill Cosby. No, 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 no. That's a different, different podcast. Yeah, no, very different podcast. Different podcast. <laughs> Vermin Supreme is about as strange as the candidates here get. But there are also anomalies like Josue LaRose or Josue LaRose. Nobody really knows how to say his name. He was the first person to file for the 2016 race, and that was way back on December 8th, 2008, before Barack Obama was even inaugurated. Okay, well, here's his 15 seconds of fame. Uh, he gets more than that, because this one's going to get weird, too. LaRose gained some internet infamy thanks to Stephen Colbert, back when the Colbert Report profiled him in 2012. See, LaRose created more than 340 packs in the state of Florida. 340? Have we heard of any of these? I doubt it, but they got some great names. My favorite was Billionaire Josu LaRose's Dating Women Committee. Sure. Okay, I used to have one of those. I didn't know I needed to file paperwork. I think OKCupid's different. <laughs> okay. So getting back to the folks you talked to, what did their friends and family think when they told them they were running for president? Tom Keister's family was used to it. He's been involved in libertarian politics for years. And Peter Brayfogle dabbled in some company politics back when he was in the insurance industry. Michael Castillejos, on the other hand? They think I'm crazy. Um, I, think, I think most of them uh, don't understand why, why I would want to do that and open myself up to whatever amount of criticism or scrutiny, but um, I think, I think I, <laughs> in service of my country and my art, I'm, I'm willing to, to go through with it. All right, so if Michael can do it, and Vermin can do it, and Limberbutt can show us the way, <laughs> why haven't we filed to run for president? Like tandem presidents? I don't think it works that way. Well, not with that attitude, it doesn't. <laughs> but seriously, show me what's on this FEC form. All right, name, I know that. And your party is? 140 characters of freedom. <laughs> then you just need to pick your principal campaign committee here. How about Hillary for America? I don't think that's going to end well for you. <laughs> Most people actually just use their name. All right. And now they ask for other authorized committees to receive and expend funds on behalf of my candidacy. Do you have a super PAC? Not that I'm aware of. I think you should just leave that one blank. And the last thing on the bottom is about the minimum amount of personal money you're bringing into your campaign and that you intend to spend. And most people just leave that at zero, too, because, hey, you don't know what's going to happen. Okay. Makes sense. And there. Submit. 
and you just filed for president. I think I did. This isn't the last time we're going to talk about this, is it? Something tells me it won't be. We have one small correction from our earlier reporting. A very important correction. You're going to want to sit down for this if you're not, you know, already sitting down. Limberbutt McCubbins, who we reported earlier, was one of those candidates that we assumed was fictional, is actually a cat. He's tough on rodent control. <laughs> Look for him at the Democratic Convention. I go on all day. Yeah, no, you can. His you... entire campaign is just sticking his ass in your face. <laughs> Ah, it's not that much different, really, when you think about it. (laughs) The Underscore is a podcast that wants your vote, but your clicks will suffice. So check out theunderscore.net right now for some great extras from the episode. You can find new episodes every other week on SoundCloud and iTunes. In fact, if you subscribe to iTunes, the episodes just come to you. (laughs) Wow. And don't forget to find us on Facebook and on Twitter at underscore pod. Thanks to candidates Tom Keister, Peter Brayfogle, and Michael Castillejos, along with journalist Quentin Mishak, who had a great conversation with despite not being able to fit much of it into today's episode. Until next time, I'm probably won't be, but at least theoretically and now legally possibly could be your future president, Davin Coburn. You can check him out at 140charactersoffreedom.org. I'm Eric Brandner. And this is The Underscore.